Good day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shadow Talk, brought to you by Digital Shadows. Shadows, shadows. Of course, I am Sean, uh, who will be hosting this week's episode, and I'm joined by my merry band of cybersecurity pirates, Austin and Ivan. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. This wish we were still in person because this would have been awesome in the studio, but oh well. Anyway, the uh, once again we're we're coming back, and I wish that we could one of these days have a slow week in cybersecurity, but it is not, of course. Um, and we're back to the thing that we never want to talk about, which is the R word, which is ransomware. So we'll be diving deep into a little bit of ransomware, especially as we have our ransomware quarterly that will be coming available to customers soon and then also a blog covering that coming up next week um, by one of our very own talented writers on the photon research team Uh, but before we get started a couple of quick little discussion bites and news bits that we picked up Um, so one of the things that's out there is coinbase has apparently been hacked Uh, and as a result there's about six thousand users that were locked out of accounts had funds accessed uh, and terrible things like that according to coinbase um, this all happened in spring of this year, uh, so around the March and May of 2021 timeframe. And this happens also coincide with me receiving a lot of Coinbase spam in my inbox about my account needing reset. So it makes me wonder if the Coinbase spam I'm seeing uh, also force users to go and reset credentials or otherwise get their credentials harvested in some way. Um, but there was different types of information and, and multi-factor authentication that was also involved. So very interesting. Uh, and a nice move of altruism, Coinbase has offered the standard credit monitoring services to those affected. Uh, but if you are a Coinbase user, recommend checking into your account. If you can make it harder to get into, do that. Uh, if you're one of the ones that fell victim, I'm sorry. But um, hopefully Coinbase will be able to regain a little bit of faith from their customers on this. Uh, and Kind of in related news, uh, the Biden administration uh, just created a national cryptocurrency enforcement team. Um, And this comes on the heels of the U.S. imposing sanctions on a Russian uh, coin exchange very recently, and also is coinciding with uh, executive orders that came over the summer, along with a lot of different guidance from the executive branch uh, and lots of proposals for legislation to regulate cryptocurrency. So this once again kind of goes back to show the very U.S. problem of uh, when you have a major concern or issue happen, then form a government agency about it. Yeah, first we had Space Force and now we have cryptocurrency. So I'm pretty excited to see what comes next. It's a recurring theme here. Yeah, I hope they have a really cool patch or sticker or something and it's not uh, ripping off Star Trek like Space Force was. So I guess what we'll do is we'll do a little deep dive into like kind of one of the top stories for our team this week. Uh, we had some basically some interesting disclosures coming from Reveal, uh, one of our favorite groups here at Digital Shadows. Uh, apparently one of the forum reps died, question mark. Uh, but we did see some chaos ensue from that. Um, so I guess in case anyone's been under a rock, uh, tell us a little bit more about Reveal's crazy 2021, Austin. Yeah, they have had quite the roller coaster this year. Um, so a lot of people probably remember um, earlier this year, there was some pretty high profile attacks. One of those was JBS, which is a, a meat producing company. Um, Revel was their target. And then Revel targeted Kaseya. 
and it was a uh, large supply chain breach that happened as a result of that ransomware attack. Uh, but then they went dark, and there's a lot of competing theories out there. Uh, maybe they had retired. Maybe law enforcement was involved. Um, but we've gotten some more insight recently that we, and we're not sure if the rebel representative, like the administrator, died. But um, that is what has been rumored on, I guess, some of these mumblings on uh, what people are reporting on Russian language forms. Um, but so Rebel has recently, uh, re they recently returned, um, but now they're having some other problems. So back from vacation, as they called it, and then walking right back into a bear trap of more problems, even after, because I know it seems like they've already kicked off operations and we're kind of back to business. Like there were definitely some breaches going on with the Rebel mark on them. Um, so I guess what's the latest controversy with this? Yeah, so they, they resurfaced, they ha had posted, um, like uh, they weren't doing as heavy targeting as they had been previously, but I think they had named a few companies on their uh, data leak site. Uh, but then there was a new report came out um, that the rebel representative on a Russian language forum had mentioned that their data leak site had been compromised. Um, so it kind of ties back into those theories like, okay, who are they compromised by? Was it law enforcement? And if you remember, um, when they went offline back in July, the FBI was actually trying to conduct a takedown operation that reportedly failed. Um, so we don't know if this is, you know, the FBI coming back to, to try again. Um, but they did admit that their, their backend servers and their blog page was compromised, um, but that their um, quote unquote uh, main servers were not compromised. <clears throat> and this is where they also stated that um, the reason that they left back in July was because uh, they just assumed, it's kind of funny, they just assumed that because their administrator disappeared that they died, which is a pretty uh, bold assumption to make. Um, so now that now they're saying that they're going to go offline for who knows how long, um, but they've also been, you know, within the past few weeks, they've admitted that they've been recruiting. So we don't know if we're just going to see them go offline for a while like they did back in July and see them resurface. Um, you know, there's a possibility, there's always a possibility of a rebrand when we're talking about ransomware. So, yeah. So I guess maybe in your kind of educated opinion, maybe it's just a, a really fun guess here. Like since we, we kind of, I feel like we almost got it right this last time we tried to guess. Uh, so what do you think like is going to happen with the group? I know, cause that's probably the hot topic, but uh, you know, do you think it's going to be a rebrand or do you think uh, they're coming back again? Um, you know, I, because they didn't rebrand when they disappeared in July, um, I, I think all the publicity they're getting is kind of, you know, the saying that any publicity is good publicity, even if it's bad. Um, so, I mean, if they do decide to return, obviously their, their brand is out there. The reputation is out there. They have a reputation of earning money. Um, so I think if they come back, I don't think it'll be under a new name. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back in November uh, or December this year. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we never know what what's going on behind the scenes. And if law enforcement is involved, um, obviously, there's a lot more complications there. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mean, the, I feel like they're almost overdue for another name change anyway, because this would probably be it. Make it what, like name change number four or five if they were rebranded so it's gonna be hard especially if you have leftover coffee mugs that still say reveal on them back at the office or you know re, you know i got a 
I work at Revill and all I got this lousy t-shirt, you know, like, so who knows, maybe they're going to have to save on getting new swag, keep it as Revill. So uh, as far as, you know, talking about ransomware um, at the end of starting, and I should say it's starting in October, um, basically we have the start of a new quarter, new things happening in the scene. Um, and so uh, Ivan actually uh, has been looking into a lot of the ransomware trends over the last uh, quarter. So looking into Q3 and seeing some stuff with Q2. So I guess one of the big ones that's kind of surprising, Ivan, is, um, you know, first off, like who right now is basically like the top ransomware player in the gang? I mean, was there, did you see any surprises with maybe certain actors becoming more active or maybe actors dropping off? Uh, yeah. So in Q3 2021, uh, the most active ransomware groups, they were Luckbit 2.0, number one, Conti, number two, uh, Hive Leaks number three, PYSA number four, and then Grief was number five. Now, a big surprise is that Conti has finally lost its number one spot, which it had held for the previous two quarters, Q1 and Q2 uh, 2021. And the interesting thing is that not only did Conti lose their number one spot, but Lockbit 2.0, they absolutely smashed other competition uh, and they blew Conti out of the water. Uh, Lockbit 2.0, they had almost three times as many victims as Conti, which was the number two. Uh, roughly 200 victims for Lockbit and about 70 for Conti. And another interesting thing is that a lot of these groups that were at the top for this quarter, uh, they were fairly new ransomware groups. Uh, Lockbit 2.0 and Hive Leaks, they just launched uh, in Q3 2021. And Grief, they just launched in late Q2 uh, 2021. So these new rebrands and uh, ransomware groups, they're coming in hungry and uh, they're making a very big impact. Yeah, it's interesting, especially, I mean, because, you know, for all the fantasy ransomware players out there, like, you know, like Conti's still kind of like the blue chip. I mean, they're going to be like, you know, you're running back to your wide receiver too, you know, that like is still going to be putting up numbers. Um, so maybe don't necessarily have too much faith in Lockbit coming up. But it is interesting that there's that much of a, of a change and increase. Um, I guess over the last quarter, have we seen any groups uh, kind of like further evolving or changing their tactics, um, especially since like the recent shakeups in the scene that Austin was talking about earlier? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we have seen a few changes uh, and improvements to ransomware groups and TTPs. And I think one of the most interesting ones for me is how Ryuk, the ransomware group Ryuk, they managed to take advantage of the fact that they do not use the bull extortion uh, to launch more effective attacks. So in a report that we published uh, last week, uh, we talked about how over the past few months, Ryuk, they have been working very hard on speeding up their attacks. And recently, uh, they have been able to get their attacks down to roughly two and a half days uh, when compared to other ransomware groups, uh, which take over 12 days. Uh, and the reason why it's so much faster is because they're cutting out the exfiltration part of their attacks, and it has been highly effective for them as a group. And uh, other developments uh, include the Lockfile ransomware group. Uh, they deployed a brand new and like never seen before encryption technique. Uh, they essentially are encrypting files uh, 12, 12 bytes at a time, and they're leaving some parts of the files uh, as a readable. Uh, so by encrypting files like this, they are capable of bypassing a lot of auto detection software because the encrypted documents look statistically uh, similar to the original unencrypted documents. 
And we also had many ransomware groups uh, continue to exploit vulnerabilities to gain initial access. Uh, the Atomsilo group, they, had, they exploited critical confluence vulnerabilities. Uh, Vice Society exploited print, print nightmare. Uh, and of course, Revel exploited zero-day vulnerabilities in Kaseya VSA to launch a supply chain attack. So as we can see, ransomware groups, they have been staying, staying on top of the news uh, and they are highly opportunistic. That's interesting because that, that file bit, um, especially when you have you know, agents that are on the endpoints or <clears throat> really anywhere in your network that are looking at file integrity management, um, that's huge if there's statistical differences that are uh, negligible between the ransom document versus the uh, like normal unchanged document. So um, might be bad news for those with endpoint. Um, so I guess, how how crazy has the last two quarters been in comparison to maybe previous years or previous quarters? Or is there nothing, or are things still kind of just the same, but just, you know, different, um, you know, groups coming out ahead of others? Uh, I'll say that 2021 has been a very impactful year for ransomware. Uh, we have seen a lot of rebrandings. Uh, Doppelpamer became Grief. Babook became Payload.bin and then eventually Groove. Uh, Synac became Alcometa, Prometheus became Spook, and a whole lot more. So we have seen a lot of groups vanish as well, such as Darkside and Avadon, and then a lot of new groups appear like Lockbit 2.0, Hive, and Grief. I think this is a cycle that is likely to continue to happen. And if we look back at 2020, uh, ransomware was a very new thing, and there was a lot of experimentation with groups. Now these groups, they're starting to fall into a pattern and they know who are safe targets and uh, who are not. And they know what is the best approach for them to take to make the most money, but also to bring the least attention to them as that could cause law enforcement's eyes to turn to them. So the number of ransomware groups active today is higher than we have ever had. And uh, the, the number of data leakage websites keeps increasing every single day. And that's likely because the success of ransomware is just highly attractive uh, to cyber criminals. So we can just expect that data leakage uh, websites and ransomware, uh, they're here to stay and uh, they're going to keep growing as time goes by. Yeah, super interesting just because, uh, I mean, there, it seems like there's almost plenty of money to be made. So even, you know, the impact of having affiliates or paying people to develop the the actual malware, um, you know, your marketing folks, your project managers behind the scenes, I mean, like they probably have the ability, the technical resources, as well as the financial resources to do it. So um, yeah, more and more coming, becoming like a business for sure. Um, and then, so the last kind of topic we wanted to go over is um, CISA actually just put out a bulletin um, just this week uh, talking about a little bit more about Black Matter. Uh, now, for those who need the, the catch up, Black Matter is um, what everyone is basically um, believing to be the former dark side, um, just because there were some similarities in code. I know that um, the people behind the former Babook Locker um, have stated it's it's just parts of code and it's not problem, it's not dark side, uh, but it seems like the majority of the opinion is that it is probably former dark side. Um, so as far as for Black Matter, um, basically they kind of came around uh, towards the end of the summer this year um, and they are, operating, you know, ransomware as a service tool. Um, so pretty much they are using a lot of different types of TTPs. Um, most of the um, samples out there look like they're coming from, you know, phishing, other types of kind of similar attacks we see like your usual exploits 
of different types. Um, when they do actually get into the extortion bit, um, they've demanded ransom payments ranging anywhere between $80,000 to $15 million. Uh, and they are kind enough to operate with both Bitcoin and Monero. Um, but the one thing that's of importance, I think, in the CISA bulletin is the map to the MITRE ATT&CK um, framework. So, you know, basically they've been mapped uh, with different tactics uh, in persistence, credential access, discovery, lateral movement, exfiltration, and impact um, with some kind of interesting bits for different indicators of attack. Um, typically, when they do get onto a system, um, they're, you know, getting into via some sort of remote access as well, um, in, you know, do kind of the usual thing you see attackers do where they dump LSAS, they get into your um, LDAP and SMB uh, protocols and basically start looking for all of the hosts within Active Directory. Um, they'll enumerate running processes, look at running services, and you know use legitimate uh, bits of automation to actually move things around um, before they exfil. Um, and one of the things on the impact bit that's also kind of, of, of importance is that um, they, they may wipe backup systems. So something to be aware of. I know everyone in the security world always preaches backups, but it might be one of those cases where it's offsite backups or it's cold, cold backups that aren't accessible via network. Um, so something to be aware of. Also, the CISA was kind enough to include some detection signatures with Snort. Uh, as well as some mitigations, which are sort of the usual security recommendations to make sure you have some sort of detection signatures deployed, um, use strong passwords, if possible, use multi-factor authentication. Um, and one of the big things, to patch and update all systems. And, you know, um, it can be a nightmare to figure out which ones to prioritize. But if you have a way to figure out which ones are being uh, actively targeted by groups such as Black Matter, then that's definitely going to be something you should move up the queue and, and get that patched and updated. Um, finally, one of the things they did talk about was using net network segmentation um, and looking at monitoring between um, traversing different networks and limiting accesses to different types of resources on the network. So whether that's going to be some sort of um, privilege or, you know, how those accounts look, you know, having them grouped by users, um, you know, something to be aware of, especially if they're able to jump through networks pretty quickly using, um, you know, on-premises protocols. Um, so we'll include that bulletin in the uh, podcast show notes today, uh, along with some of the other interesting bits that we've covered. Um, I don't know, fellas, do you guys have any alibis? Anything else you want to talk about ransomware while we're here? Uh, I just was just thinking about how, um, you know, when you were trying to figure out if, the, if it is a rebrand and they're looking at source code for ransomware attackers, even like the best experts can have a hard time pinning it down to a previous group because the source code is just floated around and sold and people use it to build up current ransomware variants and to build new ransomware variants. So attribution can be a really uh, hard task for even the best experts out there. Yeah. yeah, and I think we just had the source code leaked for Babook as well. So uh, it's highly likely that somebody could just take that, modify it, and use it for, you know, whatever they want to do. Yeah, and they can. They got Conti's playbook earlier this year. Um, so like, you'll be able to use that to base your processes and procedures off that too. Um, yeah, and then you know, of course, there's a, the whole thing with adversaries starting to use more off-the-shelf stuff so that it looks normal. You know, you got your uses of PowerShells or being very competent with like all your operating system protocols to make it look kind of normal. Um, so, you know, while Cobalt Strike and 
you know, using all those other different tools are, are popular. Um, something to be said about knowing the operating systems you're using to, to attack. Um, so um, interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm curious to see where all these different source code leaks, where that all goes. And, you know, I think eventually there's, I almost feel like there's probably going to be some affiliates that break, you know, break off of the other big groups um, to kind of form their own ransomware off that, you know, like whether it's through official blessing or they actually, you know, just steal source code. I mean, I'm super interested to see how that ends up working just with the explosion of the total number of ransomware groups out there now. Um, eventually, I think it's going to fracture more, but that's that's my thought. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The profit, the profit does seem to, or the, the desire for more money seems to drive uh, that, that fracturing or just the, some kind of internal dispute. Like Bob Glocker split up over, um, you know, the targeting of the Washington DCPD. So mm -hmm. it could be something, it could be even like a moral objection to something like that. Um, so you just never really know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when Which you're is kind of weird to think that they have moral objections, but uh, <laughs> some of them actually do. Yeah. I mean, well, you saw that like with, with some of them that were basically putting healthcare off limits and, you know, education systems and things like that. So like, there, a couple of them did show some heart kind of early on. Um, how much they stuck with that could be up for debate, I guess. But um, yeah, that, that is interesting. It makes um, you wonder, though, like if they're doing this out of the goodness of their hearts, or maybe they're doing this for other reasons, such as, you know, making sure that they're not catching the eye of law enforcement. Because mm -hmm. uh, I know that a lot of these groups that were bold enough to target government organizations, uh, it didn't go well for them. And, uh, you know, a lot of them just kind of vanished. Uh, and you know, probably they're, they're being smarter about who they target because they don't want to gather too much attention and put themselves in, you know, uh, a situation where they may have to rebrand, rebrand or, uh, you know, disband or, you know, shut down operations. Yeah. Yeah. And crypto is already kind of like a made up kind of a, a, like a made up money anyway, you know? So it's like, it's easy just to make those like crazy demands and then, actually get it paid out you know like so it's you know it's like requesting a billion dollars at a you know job interview and then they're like yeah we'll give it to you and you're like i didn't expect that so you know i think they're just going to continue to try to make money because uh there's some deep pockets out there yeah. so and some groups are bold enough to keep going like uh club they had a lot of members arrested in ukraine uh earlier this year and uh whoever was left of club they decided to pick up and just keep going you know didn't change the name didn't, didn't rebrand and they're still, they're, they're, you know, ha they had like a bunch of victims last week. So highly active. It really depends on the group, I think. Those yeah. guys are brave because when the when Ukrainian cyber police show up with like chainsaws and battering <laughs> rams, I think I would, I would think twice about get, getting back into that business. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a hardened criminal either. So yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Thank God. Glad, glad you're not Austin. Well, I think that'll actually bring us to the end of today's episode. Uh, so a couple of plugs from us this week. Um, we do have our weekly intelligence summary that'll be coming out. And the preview I got on it is that it's uh, go talking a little bit about Iranian linked activity that's targeting uh, different companies in the defense and maritime sectors. So kind of interesting because, um, you know, they're, once again, we're seeing some kind of like innovative tactics coming from Iran um, and you know, actors that are linked to them. Um, so good read. Microsoft Threat Intelligence published a bulletin about this earlier this week, but we'll also have an intelligence summary as well with our take on it. Um, in addition to that, we talked a little bit about 
the the Reville uh, incident that uh, Austin highlighted for us earlier. Um, so that came out basically hot off the press on I believe it was Monday or Tuesday this week. Um, and then the big news for us is, of course, our ransomware quarterly blog will be coming out uh, this next Monday. So. Um, so market calendars, get ready to get amazed. Uh, I got a preview of the blog and it's really good. Um, a lot of interesting points in there, um, for people to highlight, especially, uh, for those that are concerned about how ransomware is changing over the last year. So, um, otherwise, if you're our customers, just be on the lookout for the typical industry quarterlies that are also coming out, um, more coming in over the next week or so, uh, but we should be hopefully wrapping up with that soon. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll include some links here in the show notes. And as always, if you've heard anything uh, on this podcast that you're interested in researching further, you know, take a look at the links, send us a message. Um, you know, like it doesn't always have to be hate mail. Let us know like how much you like us or if there's other topics that, you know, are of concern to you. So again, we thank you for joining us here at Digital Shadows and Shadow Talk. <laughs>